Howdy, folks. This is Hedgepod. The po- oh, shit. <laughs> Hold on. I forgot. <laughs> I started talking and I realized I didn't have any words in front of my face. <laughs> Howdy, folks. This is Hedgepod, a podcast about how our mass media reinforces the cultural hegemony of the ruling class. I'm Jack. My pronouns are they and them, but I'm also okay with he and him. I'm Nova. My pronouns are he and him. I'm Athena. My pronouns are she, they. Uh, we've got a, a very special guest for you today. Uh, from the Tech Talk Believe podcast, I'd like to introduce Dr. Nefarious. Greetings and salutations. And what are your pronouns? He and him. Good to, good to have you on the show. I've had the uh, awesome opportunity to be a guest host on the Tech Talk Believe podcast. They talk about all kinds of cool stuff over there, like, uh, you know, realism and science fiction and things like that. It's really cool. So... What we do here is explain and explore the many ways that popular media is used to consciously and unconsciously enforce the ideology of the ruling class. Cultural hegemony is a component of Marxist philosophy. We're leftists here, which means we have radical takes like that women are people, (laughs) or that commodity fetishism shouldn't be an actual fetish. There's all kinds of them for this episode, and the reason that uh, we're getting directly into it like this is because we've decided to go from the uh, Western animation world into the anime world, specifically a modern anime called Overlord. We're, we're all a little bit galded right now from j- having just watched this and taken notes on it, so I'm going to have Dr. Nefarious get us up to speed on generally what the show's about and then where this particular episode takes us. Gotcha. So this, uh, this, this show is... One of the ubiquitous isekai animes. Uh, so if you know what that means, that's uh, basically character gets transported from the real world into a fantasy world. Uh, typically in an isekai, that's usually some sort of game, video game world. Uh, here, the main character is an everyday uh, salary man who, along with his friends, built a guild in a uh, one of these gigantic full-dive MMORPGs. And he decides that he's going to stay in for the final shutdown when the game is finally closing down. And as soon as he does, as soon as the game shuts down, nothing happens. And he realizes he can't log out. So I'm going to go ahead and stop you right there uh, because I want to know, you mentioned this is called an isekai uh, there's an entire genre. I'm not an anime person. Like, so for, for anybody that's listening, uh, and, and maybe you're not like into, into Japanese anime or, or just anime style or whatever. I'm here to tell you, I I'm with you. I I'm, I'm going to have no idea what is going on in this episode. So, uh, there's probably going to be a lot of me asking to have things slowed down and explained a little bit. So, this isekai is an entire genre, a subgenre of anime, which I I think it's something that's very common. The fundamentals of it are very common right. in Western media as well. The easiest way to explain yeah. it is uh, Chronicles of Narnia is an isekai. Uh, Alice yes. in Wonderland is an isekai. Well, more or less. In anime, isekai takes kind of a very particular bent. Which okay. well, nowadays it didn't always. True. Because okay, Inuyasha so, would be considered one, too. Yes. Isekai, and I like uh, Inuyasha. Yeah, Inuyasha is one of the original uh, isekais. Um, so. Hmm. But that was before all most of the tropes of isekai kind of... That was before the fall. fall. That was yes. before everything fell. 
Then everything changed when the hentai nation attacked. <laughs> okay, so so I just wanna I wanna get this point in there because I there's there's two points that I wanted to add to this. First of all, um, one, uh, Doctor Nefarious, I'm actually mad at you for making me watch the show. <laughs> so I just want to throw that out there. Uh, <laughs> I watched six episodes I, because I'm an overachiever and I wanted to be prepared. <laughs> and I two, watched this one episode, but I watched it three times so that I would be sure that I had you know studied it enough to have something good to say about it <laughs> and then too uh I, I i actually kind of relate with the the whole being trapped inside of an mmo thing i used to play asheron's call and whenever it went offline that was like one of the saddest moments to me like i played that game from you know 2004 yeah. or three or something I, like that i until... used to play city of heroes and when it died it was a very similar feel to it yeah. So I can definitely get the idea of like writing a uh, a story off of you know being trapped inside of a MMO. It sounds fun, but instead, yeah. like we had so much of a, a blank canvas here. What we got was uh, Overlord episode six. So you want to bring us up to speed with what happened specifically in this episode? Okay, so a uh, little bit of a backstory about Overlord in in general. So the the entire premise of the show is basically. The looking at the rise of the evil overlord trope from the perspective of the evil overlord. And the way they do this is they have this, you know, the everyday salaryman gets trapped in his own game. Problem is, his guild was basically RPing the evil monsters, and he is a lich, like an elder lich. So okay. he's trapped in this game. He is basically he he remains calm because the lich powers basically force him to be emotionless, but he's basically freaking out, and he has one main goal, and that is to find his friends if they are stuck in the game with him. So yeah. with that, let's get so, right into the episode. Yep, so he's basically gone off and started a, uh, in disguise, the character of Momon. So that's, the main character is Ein Zogul. he's playing the character of Momon. And okay. he's taken one of the floor guardians, which is their creators, or what is their, one of their creations from the guild, along with him as basically his partner. All right, so let me put this in in terms that I think might be easier for like Athena and maybe Jack to to, to follow here. The, it's from what it sounds like to me, the MMO was very similar to Final Fantasy fourteen, where you can have an estate. They had an estate too, yeah. and then think of these floor guardians as being like the retainers that you can send out on missions for you mm -hmm. uh, yeah. within Final Fantasy fourteen. Yes, so, exactly. Yeah, exactly. It, I, I never played Astronaut's Call. Um, I, I have been uh, regaled by the stories and glory of it from both Jack and Clay and all of them. But um, 
I, I imagine there's some elements to that too that are similar because there's a lot of it, there appears to have been a lot of freedom in this um, mm. MMO. <laughs> yes, uh, as a matter of fact, there's so the. Let me just briefly go over how how the game works. So there's a hundred levels, and you can split those between racial levels and class levels. So race racial racial levels are things like dragon and werewolf and vampire. And the guild was all heavily focused on builds that did that. Mm. Problem is, if you take a heteromorph, which is you know one of the the monster races, you can be PvP'd without your consent. So basically, anybody can come come around and just player kill you. Mm. So they created the guild as sort of this way to protect themselves in game. So that's that's how that that's how the the guild of Einzelgon or Ninezelgol. So one of the things that stood out to me right in, in the beginning, and I know that Athena's going to have some uh, resonance on this one, uh, oh not in a good way. But we get we get right in the beginning, and there is this character that's like a like a like a it was she was like a winged vampire lady or something. Succubus. Like, she's a she's like a, a succubus. Okay, so she's sitting in a she's lying in bed, and. Someone is like, well, is that a, a body pillow? And it was like a body pillow of the skeleton? Yeah. Fine, just don't overdo it. I'm sure I don't know what you mean, but we'll try. Right, Lord Ives? Uh, uh, is that a life-sized body pillow? Yeah, isn't it great? I made it myself. Now I'm working on the socks and clothes for our first child. I need to be prepared. It won't be much longer. I can feel it. <laughs> I've made enough for the first five years. Boy or girl, they'll have everything they could ask for. <gasps> what so is that? What, what, happened, <laughs> so what, happened, what happened there is... Before the server shut down, Ayn started taking a look at the different uh, Floor Guardians... Basically their profiles that their creators created for them like full backstories and everything. Mm. And he gets to Albedo and he's like, he's flipping through, like just reading because, you know, the servers are about to shut down. What else, what, what the fuck else are you going to do? Mm. And he gets down to the bottom and it says, oh, by the way, she's a total bitch. So he's like, yeah, that doesn't sound right. So he deletes that and he's like, I've got to put something in here. She's totally in love with Momonga, which was Einzel Gon's original character name. So okay. he basically plays God and forces her to love him. Okay, and let's let 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 let's let's talk about that for a moment yeah, here. Please, oh, yeah. let, let's let's talk about that for a goddamn fucking moment. <laughs> um, he yeah. just wrote because I watched the first episode, unfortunately, and um, he he literally writes is in love with. Hey, um, you know. There are a lot of different ways to love someone, and it's not all about being a horny psychopath. So, so which I am familiar with that is a type of trope, also, which I did not know was a trope hmm. until this time around. Because I try my best to stay really far away from particular anime tropes um, hmm. and knowing about them. But yeah, hmm. so like literally, the, the flavor text is is in love with. That could be that could mean anything. Mm. But apparently to this, if you want to talk about hegemony, means I need to have sex with you. I need to have right. sex with you right now. Right. Um, I have emotions about that as both a feminist and an ace person. So fuck you. 
Yeah. It, it, it conflates uh, lust with love. Yeah. Mm. Well, I, I, I feel like there's so much of this show that it's is, to be honest, lost on me just because I'm outside of this seems to be like this cultural framework that is necessary for for someone to have to understand just to be able to enjoy this type of content. So if if y'all don't care, pretend for a second, assume that I know nothing about anime culture or or, or what you what someone might call uh, what is the word? Weeb, weeb culture, weeaboo weeaboo culture or something. Weeb weeb, weeb. No, don't weeb. never use weeaboo. Okay, I don't. I don't know what I'm talking about. Is that a slur? Did Some I just say? Did I just slur? Do a slur? I, I don't know, and I don't want to yeah, do that. But so, I, so I. But there, there's this thing though, right? Like where there's like this body pillow thing. Like, so can someone explain what that is? Or. <sighs> Oh, like, like the, just the general concept of the body pillow. Yeah, yeah. What's the body pillow? Yeah, what's the body pillow? Like, why is that a why is that a, a narrative device in the show? Why is it an effective narrative device? Okay, so body pillows are literally just what they what they appear to be. They're a body pillow with a character on it that you can sleep with. Okay, like basically so, just a whole cuddle. <laughs> yeah, so it's like a stand-in for like a, a human contact, usually. Like, and there's yes. a, there's a meme right like um, among people that are like anime lovers and stuff that are like. This is my waifu or something, right? Like it's like a, it's like my wife is a it's a pillow. It's a body pillow that they have a relationship with. Yeah, yeah. basically. So that's kind of what they're trying to do with this succubus character, right? Like yeah. they're trying to force this the succubus character to have a wee body pillow relationship. I don't know, y'all. I'm in the deep end here. I'm I'm not gonna lie. <laughs> it's basically it's a sign of obsession with your uh, kind of lust object. Yeah. So. Like, uh, you know, uh, we might have, like, an Oscar body pillow from Evangelion uh, that he's... Oh, God, that's creepy. Oh, yeah. Well, I mean... I mean, they're all package. creepy. They're yeah. all creepy. Uh, every, it's, 14, it's creepy though. all the way down. So, um, what the show's doing is it's saying that that's the kind of feelings that she has for him, it's that a- it's that kind of just unhinged obsession yeah. like an unhinged sexual obsession so 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 maybe a little bit more subtly uh and, and not subtle to us because we you know are are analyzing it and peeling back the onion and stuff but to somebody who might be a fan of this show this is kind of a subtle in, in insinuation that you know love equals having this lust for a woman y- yeah for a woman yeah yeah so you can I'm, see I'm just gonna be. I'm gonna go ahead probably. and put that warning here right now. Um, this makes I go back and forth between my emotions goes from very sad to very angry. Mm. So about this show and about the state of anime as it is now, um, especially now that I've gotten to experience it firsthand. So I will be very intense. Well, I, let's. I want to talk about that. Really, sorry, not uh, sorry. What's What's really creepy is, as far as is all of that. Overlord is kind of in the middle of the way. For and anime. that horrifies me. Oh yeah. my god. What the well, hell, guys? I, well, I walked away from end. anime for several years, and this is what? Like, holy hell, guys. What the hell's happening? Why is this happening? You- okay, so let, let me let me just put this in here, and this is something that I wanted to talk to you all about before the show, but I thought it would make for a good discussion here. I, I think that... I, okay, so I'm like some anime. Like, I like Cowboy Bebop. 
I like Dragon Ball, you know, old stuff. And I've heard y'all mention this several times, the state of anime now, or the current state of things. So, I, I, I'd like to offer, as, as untrained as I am, a counter-narrative to that. And it's basically that it's the same argument that you see with, like, the indie game scene right now. Like, there's tons and tons and tons of content out there. And what we see is there's no filter between the dog shit and the good stuff. See, that's what I thought too, right? But now I will say, slice of life anime. I'm not into it enough to know. That might be you. Anything that is my wrath today, I'm not necessarily aiming. I would need to. I would need to do look because normally slice of life anime tends to have more input from women and stuff like that. So that it might be a bit better. Not sure. So you know, I. Things and like that. It's I, a big, it's a big genre. I mean, like, there's right, a lot when, of stuff in this genre. Yeah. I should clarify. When I say anime, I mean the anime I used to watch as a kid. Fantasy anime, anime that um mm. the I can't ever remember the trope names, but the getting lost in a new world anime type. Mm. You know that my my first real anime was Inuyasha. So take take that as you will. Like Inuyasha, Dragon Ball Z. Uh, I did watch Uruka Seven. I liked Zoids. Basically anything with animal people in it, obviously, mm. I guess. I just realized that was an obvious trend, except for Aruka 7. Though I didn't care too much for... I go back and forth. If I, anyway, I'm I'm digressing. Right. So, but, I'm going to try and take the reins here on this and try to get us through the show beats. Because I, I feel like if we don't get some sort of pace on this, we're going to say oh, yeah, we'd spiral. <laughs> we, could, we could sit here and talk about the deplorable state of anime as it is today for well, yeah, hours. I just, based off of what I said, I just wanted to say, like, that that's normally what I mean by the state, is the more mainstream popular fantasy anime mm. is kind of just... Yeah, I get you. Very sexualized yeah. seems like an understatement, but that's yeah. where I'm at. Oh, hyper-sexualized. And th the reason for that is because the entire isekai genre is basically a an escapist fantasy. Like, that's all it is. That's why I fucking hate isekai. But it's still weird, though. Like, why is why does an escapist fantasy necessarily have to mean it's hyper-sexualized? I mean, like, it doesn't seem like because those things have to be... Sells. Yeah. Because, because it sells. Because it sells. All and right, some people why. need to log off and touch some grass. I'm going to okay. say it. I'm sorry. Yeah, I agree with that. Oh, yeah. Like I've heard that that statement being said a couple times on Twitter and stuff, like getting out and touch grass or whatever. It's like like an insult, but it it is a just real get thing. Get grounded man. to the real world, like I think, advice. is the message. Yeah, like, just get, like, there's some stuff in here. Like, when I watch this, I'm like, what what planet is this media from? Because I, I really, it doesn't resemble anything to me, and I know there's cultural differences, there's subcultural differences, but like, the fact that there's even an English translation of this or whatever, I guess, is like... Well, I mean, and like, like dubbed to get, for, for an anime to get dubbed, that means hiring oh, professional, yeah. you know, English-speaking yeah. voice actors, that means that they expect that there's going to be a wider uh, English-speaking audience for it. Yeah. So Is, yeah. is Touching Grass, an, is that an insult? Well, um, it's yeah. There's there's been uh, what do you call it? Dialogue over it. There's been discourse over it. Uh, Why? There's some. There's people who feel that it could be considered ableist because there's mm. people who oh. can't go outside yeah. and touch grass. Yeah, right. uh, 
Okay, fine. So. Yeah. I, I just mean like It's been spicy discourse. Spicy okay. discourse. My bad. My, <laughs> no, my no, apologies. I just mean I thought it just meant like, you know, log off and just reconnect with reality. Yeah, Which is I, what it should mean, yeah. That's that's how I would interpret it. I'm just saying people there are people who choose to interpret it differently. Yeah. There may be people who use it differently. But I would say that yeah, you know, I mean it, maybe that's what you gotta tell people is you know get back in touch with reality. Yeah. All right. So so we've got a couple of points here that we need to get through. Yeah. Uh, the yeah. the first one that I'm reading on Nova's notes here says something about bounties. Yes. All right. So I will jump into that. So there's a part here where the main character who's in the black armor and disguises Momon and who he's you know traveling as a, a caravan guard assist caravan and uh this adventuring party and they uh come upon this group of like goblins and ogres that rush out of uh the woods to attack them uh they defeat them and then uh members of the adventuring party who were like an established group before uh momon and his associate joined them they start cutting the ears off of the ogres and off of the goblins and so uh, momon asks him why are you doing this and you know the uh, one of the adventurers says uh, we can turn these in to the adventurers guild, or we can turn them into the guild and get a reward for them. Mm -hmm. uh, and you know it's not much, but it adds up. Mm -hmm. uh, that kind of thing. Are the ears valuable? Not on their own, but you can exchange them in other parts for a reward from the guild. It can be pretty lucrative. So crystals or rare trinkets don't just randomly drop from them. To be honest, I've never even heard of ogres carrying crystals or trinkets. I see. That got me thinking about because again, this is set in an you know an MMO, right. uh, and it got me thinking about that nonstop, inescape, seemingly inescapable trope that you have in MMOs, where you've got the fetch quests where you mm -hmm. need to go and kill ten spicy dingoes or mm -hmm. get dingo. eight <laughs> ears of the heart yeah. or eight uh, heartbeat wing feathers or something yeah. like that. Or uh, bracers. Yeah. Like, yeah, and those quests are in Final Fantasy. They were in City of Heroes. They were in World of Warcraft. And if there's an MMO that anybody has played that doesn't have those kind of quests in them. They were in Guild Wars, too. Um, <laughs> if there was any MMO, anybody who's playing, who's listening to this now, or who's, you know, on the show now, that doesn't have those quests, let me know. Because it seems to be absolutely ubiquitous. And here's the thing. They're Bounties, as a concept, it they put it into the video game world... Bounties as a concept are almost always implemented in the real world for the benefit of the ruling class and wealthy people and imperialist, you know, colonialist order. Going back, it, they were used for a long time as a way of, like, enforcing laws, where if someone was a criminal, you would put a bounty on them and they'd go after them. There was a bounty that was put uh, on somebody in, like... 25 CE in Rome uh, for you know, stealing something or breaking something. And as uh, Western or as European imperialists began to colonize the Americas, they would do bounties for undesirable animals and they would do bounties on people, uh, especially 
in the 1800s during westward expansion there would be bounties uh in the u.s and in mexico on uh native americans uh from different tribes and this is side by side with bounties on gray wolves bounties on coyotes bounties on you know other animals that were preying on like herd animals uh that kind of thing so it's something that in this you know in our historical experience reflects a view of animals as expendable resources to be used up and that views people who aren't of you know the the dominant race as being expendable and equivalent to animals well, and so you see that in this anime where these goblins and ogres, you know, who have armor and who are intelligent creatures and, you know, who knows, maybe this is their territory and the human adventurers are moving in on their territory, you know, they are treated as troublesome animals to be discarded, basically, mm. and, you know, to, to be exterminated as much as possible. Yep. And those bounties are being used as a tool for genocide. And it's just... Right something that is presented uncritically and unthinkingly uh, well, not on. just in the anime and it, but in MMOs as well. And hold I know on. there's probably more information about this that Gendo will go into because I'm sure they clarify that later on. Yes. Uh, so the difference between Overlord and something like Goblin Slayer Athena, by the way, do not ever look oh, up Oh, no, I know Goblin about Slayer. Goblin Slayer. I'm not, no, don't, no one look that up. It's bad. Do not go near that. It is... Go Goblin Slayer is probably it's one of the worst fantasy. animes. It's, it's fash porn, basically, mm. is, is what Goblin Slayer is. It starts off with a rape fantasy, so do not... And it, it starts off with a rape fantasy and then gets worse from there. Oh, okay. So anyway... But moving on. So anyway, the difference here is, after they've slaughtered all the goblins that are in the forest, or rather that attacked them from the forest, they get to Karn Village, which is where they were headed, on, headed in the first place. Mm. And what greets them? Whole bunch of goblins in armor. Hmm. As it turns out, the goblins have joined the village, and they are now part of the village, which is actually under, basically under the protectorate of Einzulgon. Hmm. So, it's in in Overlord, like the the monster, quote unquote, races, aren't purely seen as animalistic and in evil they're just another but they still have bounties on them yeah it's one of those things like right. this doesn't have to be it doesn't have to be shot for shot in here for the the overall hegemony yeah. to, to to play here you know like just the, the some of the language it's kind of like you know it would be like saying you know, there's that certain races get lynched or something like that. Like it doesn't have to yeah. mean an, a one to one, you know, parallel for it to still mean, you know. Well, for example, like I Final Fantasy fourteen does a decent job, but um, anyone who plays Final Fantasy fourteen will know that there are the quote unquote beast tribes daily. Yep. And Cringe every time. Yeah. Oh, and, really? Yeah, and well, they. For the most part, I think it's complicated. They, it's complicated. Well, this... But they are beast tribe. When you pick up a quest, it plays this didgeridoo mm. like. So... Which is different than all the other music quest line pickups. And it's. Well, that brings and us to. Also, on top of it, there is the good ones and the bad ones tropes uh, that play out in that. But. 
um, the language matters though. Like yeah. even if you're like these things are sentient, they matter. But you're going to call them beast tribes. You're going to call them like you know. Mm. There, there's always this undertone that they're not human. And remember, as I have said before, fascism relies upon us versus them. We are human. They are not. They mm. are lesser. We are not. Etc. Which that brings us to, a, to our next point here, uh, racial coding. Why do we always see the, well, what, what is racial coding, first of all, and, and what do we, how is it presented here in, in Overlord? All right, so there are, so Momon and, or Momon and Nabe, which is his, his partner, are basically presenting as Japanese. He was originally Japanese. So he uses illusion magic to make himself look human, makes himself look like him himself. And then mm. Nabe is also Japanese. Mm. They make it a point to point out that they are of a different race than the rest of the people in the city. Back in town, he took his helmet off for a moment and we got a good what look. What country is he uh, from? I need to know. Sorry, we didn't ask for specifics. He's the same race as Nabe, which might be why they're together, but she could easily get someone much hotter. And the reason this is important is because there are a lot of Western anime fans who mm. project whiteness onto any and all anime characters. Mm. So, so, so you... is it that the that the the fandom projects uh, yes. a European whiteness on, onto it, or that the showrunners? project no the, the the fandom does not the showrunners mm. so yeah. they they so basically everybody's going around like oh these all these anime characters they're all white like no <laughs> yeah i wonder about that a lot because you know it's like you said they they the the main characters are supposed to be japanese and yeah. it's like the people in the, the the adventuring party are just like it's this uh you know ambiguous made-up race but they're like yeah. white and blonde and you know have you know a, appearances that a japanese person wouldn't have like they don't look like a japanese person well, the, the point is like anime is a drawn medium and that is that means you you're doing a, a great degree of abstraction mm. so nobody goes around looking like an anime character sure like at sure. all like Although all. some people do try, <laughs> I mean, getting getting the eyes is kind of hard. Though you've got to like have all those surgeries just to make gigantic dinner plate size eyes. Yeah, on uh, well, the hair too. Like the hair's always like in these big spiky clumps yeah. and stuff. <laughs> and uh, it it bears it bears repeating that a lot of this actually comes from the the origins and the inspiration for a lot of uh, the original anime, and that is uh, Western media such as very early Disney. And Betty Boop, hmm. which is how you get the giant eyes in anime. Like that's the direct lineage there. And and then it's interesting because it goes full circle because then mm -hmm. anime does some really cool stuff, and then Disney is notorious, mm -hmm. and right. other uh, Hollywood places are notorious for stealing scenes and stuff from yeah. anime. Look at the um, uh, Star Wars thing that just came out, right? Like yeah. that that whole so mini series. <laughs> Right, yeah, yeah. We did the whole episode on the Last Airbender and the Legend of Korra, you know. And it's like, yeah, I was just gonna say that, you know, stylistically, it's it's less influenced by and more direct lift of the the themes and of the. I mean, stylistically, 
I'm not I'm not saying that they they take the entire culture with them, but it's it's anime for all intents and purposes. It's anime, but it is well, by a Western audience for a Western audience, right? Well, yep. uh, I, that's not what I mean. I mean that there are times when they will literally rip scenes from an anime. Um, the Matrix actually did this. Mm, I see. Well, you know, I so there's all degree of, you know, what what do you call it? Uh, oh, gosh. I forgot the word as well. Uh, appropriation, if you will. Uh, from Oh, from and that. if anyone doesn't know that this exists, if you want to freak yourself out, look up Kimba the White Lion. Oh, oh, oh God, yeah, yes. right? Like the, it's like the Lion King thing, right? Yeah. Oh, no. It Yes. Kimba is the Lion King. Yeah, Kimba the White Lion was a Japanese anime that existed before the Lion King, right? Yeah, yeah, so they were like, okay, well, let's take Kimba and add Hamlet and then Lion King. Yeah, they almost yeah. recreated it shot for shot to make the Lion King, which was you know oh, wildly yeah. successful in the West. So, yeah, we that takes us to our next beat here. Uh, we talked about... Uh, oh, we talked about racial coding. We talked about... Uh, we talk about coding a lot in this. I mean, we've been into it in the second... Uh, several others, and there's a there's an element that we talk about on the show quite a bit uh, that we would call queer coding, um, and it's just basically like a character that you know is sort of their their whole design is just to make you subconsciously think uh, about queerness uh, or about queer culture. So uh, we have some examples of that in the show. Nova, do you want to give us a, a rundown on what you saw? Uh, yeah, um, so there's coding. this character, uh, short uh, short brown hair, um, dresses a lot like a low-level black mage from Final Fantasy, and uh, it kind of, you, you kind of get the sense that uh, she might be uh, a woman or you know, a girl or whatever. Uh, sounds like a girl, and, but during this scene where they're all sitting around the campfire, this brash asshole guy, Lucret, I'm mispronouncing his name says that one of the reasons their team works so well is, is that because it's nothing but guys and that throwing a girl into the mix would be too distracting you all seem very close is it common for adventurers to get along yeah we all trust each other with our lives it helps that our team is nothing but guys too throwing a girl into the mix would be distracting <laughs> I think our greatest strength comes from sharing a common goal. It keeps us focused on the future. Uh, and then the camera goes right to Nina, and uh, she changes the subject. So you kind of get a sense there, and I don't know if it's ever really fully played out or developed. It uh, is. Uh, that, that you know, maybe she's, like, you don't know if he's saying that they don't have any girls in the group because he knows she's trying to hide being a girl, or if she's hiding from him. I would expect that she's hiding it from him just because he's such a uh, screaming sex sexist asshole. I just realized. You always seem super relaxed, Nabe. Is it because you know that I'm keeping you safe? So what it is, is her name is Nina. And I don't know if Lacroote knows it, that she's uh, uh, a woman or not. But she is basically hiding it basically to be able to get by in the world uh, because you know obviously it's a medieval fantasy culture and they still put in the rampant misogyny so uh yes because yeah. women could not that 
Okay. So okay. S- speaking of rampant misogyny, let's let's let Athena uh, go ham here on the, <laughs> on the the patriarchy I'm and the male gaze. To the point where I'm so angry, I'm having a hard time forming words. Okay. Well, you did you did you did a really good job on your male gaze special. If anybody hasn't heard that before, we changed our format for the show. Uh, Athena did a really good special on the male gaze in video games. And I thought that it was very insightful. And what a better what a better way to tie that in to this than a TV show about a, a game that contains just chock full of oh male gaze so, patriarchy. All male gaze. <laughs> okay, so let me let me start off by saying here's the misogyny level I was used to growing up with anime. Like, you would have women who are scandally clad, the camera would go over, no one would say anything, but it was there. First, also, there would be the whole, like, oh, yeah, sweet cheeks, let's do some stuff in the bushes, and they would get their ass kicked somehow. Like, it was still bad, it was still problematic, but it was Like Johnny Bravo level of of male gaze. And not only that, but this stuff would take up a total amount of maybe five minutes tops. Mm -hmm. Maybe, like... Yeah, I'll say that. I'll say about five minutes tops in an anime. Ten goddamn minutes before we even get to plot for this episode? Like, it is, it is not, like, any time where I'm like, okay, we're done with the misogyny, we're gonna talk about, nope, there it is again. Like, it's just, I, you can never relax, because it's just always there and always accosting you. And, and, and then, like, you mentioned the whole thing, it's like, oh, well, I gotta pretend to be a girl, like... Or a, a dude to get away and like that that is classic video game bullshit because it's like oh why aren't there any good women in this video game well it's 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 real it's not realistic to have women in in video games like well actually we um we found a lot of historical evidence that women used to be <laughs> right. used to exist and did badass <laughs> things oh well now you're just being over the top let people have their fun no. you know it, it's that they don't give a shit it's just it's just all about fulfilling their fantasies. It's about fulfilling the male patriarchal bullshit motherfucking fantasy, and I'm sick of it. I'm sick of this bullshit. He's the same race as Nabe, which might be why they're together, but she could easily get someone much hotter. I doubt that his looks are an issue. Besides, with skills like that, I'm pretty sure he doesn't have trouble getting with women of any race. Women instinctively flock to men with strength, oh. no matter their looks. It's a fact of life, my friend. Just Literally, this is in my notes. Fuck off. Just fuck off. <laughs> go off. Go off. I, I'm here for it. So we've got we've got women instinctively flock to men with power. Was I think a quote that was in the show? Uh, there was a there was a there was a thing about yeah, and like, that's that's terrific hege- hegemony there because that's said by the old guy who's like a, a symbol of like wisdom and intelligence. <laughs> right. uh, if they're going off of class stats, typically he's a druid, so wisdom is their uh, main stat. So very wise person. He's a very wise man, and he says that women mm. only like power. Hey, and- you know what? That's also problematic too. I would argue that this shit is a direct pipeline to incel culture because that's oh, fucking yeah. incel culture. Like, oh, oh yeah. yeah, the the Chad versus the Virgin and all that mm-hmm. bullshit. Oh, yeah. Like yeah. that that is straight up like, well, I can't get a woman because I'm not strong enough, so I'm gonna go shoot up a fucking salon like oh yeah there's there's a there's a self-feeding cycle there because incels are 
heavily into anime. Mm. And that means it sells. Which means you get more shit like this, and you get more shit like this, until you yeah. end up with Overlord being kind of middle of the way, maybe on the low end, end yeah. of, that, of that bullshit. And like, just... we, I, because we're covering episode six, but like I said, I watched the first couple of episodes because I wanted to try, and I thought I was going to get into my, like, okay, this will, it'll be a little bit annoying, I'll grit and bear through this. No. And then, like, I, I will not forget the part where, like, he addresses them, and then he vanishes, and uh, Shaltier, or whatever the fuck her name is, freaking Lolly Vampire, which is, Lolly is problematic in itself, period, end of story, you will not make me budge on that, and she's like, oh, sorry, I had an issue with my underwear when, uh, when I was in the great presence of his lordship, like, what the <laughs> fuck is that?! It's so bad. It's just so bad. Oh, like I just get watching this. It's just like stop writing women, dudes. If you are going to ever talk to one, if there goes my alarm for something. So, Shaltier, that's an interesting case right there. Let's not. Let's just not. Let's not even go in. Let's. I yeah, for my sanity. I, I, oh my God, that would I be vote we keep episode. moving forward too. Yeah. So there's a there was a mention of uh, there was a part where they said no, we can't have any girls in this adventuring party because it might be a distraction. Uh, or so they're just, useless and helpless and they can't fight. God right. forbid that women can't fight. I'm a fucking take, motherfucker. I mean, I will it, end it, you in an MMO. It's just like this show. It, it, Athena summed it up perfectly <laughs> because <laughs> it was it was really this start to finish. What's super ironic is that all the people that were saying, "Oh, women can't fight, women can't fight," the end of that episode, like they're all murdered by a woman, like all of them. Yeah, yeah, I but mean... she's not a normal woman though. She's the crazy psycho woman, which is mm -hmm. also yes, it, it also plays into the the to the uh, what what is it called the 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 whore and the saint trope with the male gaze. Seriously, guys, please just go listen to the, if you're really interested into what I sound like when I'm trying to be constructive, then please listen to the male gaze episode. Yeah. There's there's also Absolutely. really good there's yeah. really good sources on the male gaze. It's very eye opening. To go back to something that you said earlier too, Athena, you know, you talked about touch grass and, you know, getting outside and, you know, unhinging yourself from the fantasy world that you've been living in that maybe you've co-created. I, I feel like talk to a woman is kind of one of these things. Like, can anybody well, ever just like, m not even talk to, listen to, because, you know, yeah, listen, listen you to women, listen to women, like... Women and that have goes had... for all women. That includes trans women. Yeah, so I'm looking at you through the through the through the podcast. I'm looking at you. What that mean? All say? women. Nerf or nothing. Yeah, <laughs> it's, it's uh, nerf. Nerf or nothing. Non-exclusionary radical feminist. Right. I loved it. It's very clear that women have not had a voice in the construction of this. You know, I, I think that that's. Probably good a place as any for us to go ahead and wrap on this one, because I mean, this 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 show, what what can you say? I mean, we have had examples of pretty much every single problematic thing that we've discussed on the show throughout the whole time that we've been doing it, all in a twenty-three minute episode. Like, 
Yikes, folks. Uh, this start is also, to finish. Start the to finish. very first scene is patriarchal and male gaze. Yeah. The middle is the same thing. The bits with the adventurers is the same thing. The end was the necromancer and the uh, haughty psychopath who's stabbing guys yeah. because it just makes her so happy. It's all male gaze all the time, start to finish, no exceptions or relief. Doctor right. Nefarious, let's g- let you have the final word. Oh God, where do, where do we even begin? Uh, anime men, it used to be good. Like there there are good <laughs> things that I do actually like about this show, but man, does it have some problems too. And a lot of those problems are not they're like rampant isn't strong enough to describe no. how invasive the male gaze and misogyny is in anime. Mm. Uh, yeah, it's it it's pretty widespread. It seems yeah, to be. It, it didn't it didn't used to be this bad. Like you you get a little yeah. in like Gundam and, and a little in little here a little there. I'd like to challenge everyone to just you know try to find examples of of good anime that doesn't do this stuff because like, yeah I, I I'm holding on to hope that it's out there like I, I'm sure well, like it is, I said right I I feel Few like there is there is slice of life like because slice of life is a new trend that's happening they're they're really goofy. Um, I, and I feel like I've watched some Slice of Life that's pretty good. There was, like, a comic one that was, like, it's just, all of it is just over the top. Oh. Well, it's a bit... Oh, uh, Horimiya. Horimiya is a, a great uh, Slice of Life anime. Yeah, and I feel like those are probably, like I said, they're given the nature and the fact that it's like, well, Slice of Life, that's what women yeah. are for, I imagine they're going to have more input with women, whether or not well, their original intention is good or not. They're better... But Slice of Life still gets stuff like Dragon Maid, which is absolutely terrible. Slice of Life with things like Food Wars and stuff like that. Uh, that's too. Like, Slice of Life is a, a very broad term. Of course it is. Goddamn anime. Why do you do this? Do you want to tell us about your uh, what you've been working on lately on your podcast? Oh, yes. My podcast, uh, Tech Believe. So it's bas- it's just a a, show, a podcast about the science in science fiction and in uh, fantasy. So we, each week we go through a, a different concept. We're going to be uh, recording the episode on missiles here shortly, and we're building up to a season finale of uh, space combat in science fiction. Very cool. We're really happy to have you on the show and looking forward to... Uh hearing your next episode come out. I'll put a link to your channel in the description. Speaking of upcoming things, I wanted to let the listeners know some stuff we've got coming up here. We are going to be doing Veggie Tales, the uh, Rack Shack and Benny episode. <laughs> I think that's going to be a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're going to have my sibling on for that, ideally. We are also looking to kind of wrap up the uh, animation season with uh, She-Ra and the Princesses of Power. Mm-hmm. Uh, Thank and we're God. Gonna have Izzy for that, and that's going to be cool. And then uh, we've got a special planned for this Halloween uh, where we are going... I'm going to be inflicting... This is something that I've got to see a number of times as a parent because my kid absolutely loves this movie. It is the Disney Channel original movie, Zombies. (laughs) And uh, we are going to get to gaze directly into that abyss and then it will look back at us and blink and that's going to be our halloween uh special event there 
I'm hoping that we can do that live and record it. So oh, I, that'd be cool. We're going to have to yeah. experiment with that. But, yeah, lots of cool stuff coming up. Uh, if you have any feedback for the show, please do hit us up on Twitter uh, at HedgePod, HedgePod at gmail.com. Uh, you all know how to spell it by now. Uh, and with that, we will catch you the next time. Bye. Bye.